We're continuing the series. This is week five. We spent four weeks talking about how that you have to know your enemy. That is the first principle that you need to know to ensure that you will win every faith battle that you're in. And there will be faith battles continuously in your life. But remember, the faith battle is not for you fighting the enemy. It's for you to stay at rest. But God wants you to walk by faith and live by faith. He doesn't want you to have faith events. You know, there's very few faith events. There's a lot more events and, and victories that happen as you walk by faith. But we've learned in the last four weeks how to know our enemy. We know exactly how he is going to come at us, right? We've learned from passages in 1 Corinthians, in Ephesians. We've, we know very, very clearly that he throws thoughts at our mind over and over and over again for the purpose of penetrating our mind with his thoughts so that he could play mind games, confuse our life, get us confused so that we doubt God's word. But God has given us spiritual weapons, the word of God, to take every thought captive, right? To, to, to the truth of God's word. We've learned how he comes. That's the only road he comes. He's coming against your mind to try to get you to doubt that what God says that he's already made you, given you, is not true. And he'll try to use people, he'll use circumstances in this world system that, that will just scream at you that what God said is not true. That is the only, only thing he can do. All he can do is throw thoughts and hope you take them. But if you won't take them, there is no way he could keep you from walking in everything that this Bible says, right? This isn't a religious act that we're doing tonight. We've come here to receive from him. The Holy Spirit's the teacher. There's an anointing, which is the Holy Spirit, upon the word of God. He's on the inside of you. He wants to deposit things in your heart so that you can lay hold of everything that God has for you because you're not to live a natural, ordinary life. You've been placed on this earth to show the world who Jesus is. God's will for your life is that you would be conformed into the image of his son. Isn't that good news? So go ahead and open your Bibles tonight. We're going to talk about principle number two. So open your Bibles to Mark chapter 11, verse 22 we'll start at. We're, this is one of the foundational scriptures of this series. Also, we've looked at Ephesians 6, but just go to Mark 11 right now because we want to look at this prayer of faith because the battle, your faith battle begins at the end of the prayer of faith. When you say, I believe that I receive, right, whatever it is, and then you say in Jesus' name, amen, when you get up, that's when the enemy starts working big time, right, to get you to doubt that you have already have been given by God what the word says. So we have to know these things. So we're going to talk about principle number two. This is a huge principle that many believers do not understand in, in the depth that they need to, to make it work for them. We're going to talk about securing God's promise. 
How do I secure it? Oh, there's a lot of people that will go and they'll pray. They hear that it's God's will for healing. And they'll come up and say, okay, pastor, will you pray for me? You know, I pray that I just, that God heals me. And if you ask the question, well, what two or three scriptures are you standing on? They kind of look at you like, uh, well, you know, all the healing scriptures. Nope, that's not good enough. You haven't secured the word of God. You may be mental assenting to something, but if you don't secure the word of God on the inside of you, you'll let go of what God says because you have, to, you have to have something when the enemy comes with his thoughts and his questioning, you have to answer the enemy. You have to answer him by, by starting with three little words, it is written. So we need to secure the word of God. You, faith begins where the, word of God, where the will of God is known, right? Romans 10, 17. We, we know that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Well, in order to have faith, you have to, you have to be hearing the word of God. So that faith is of the heart. So that means you got to be hearing the word of God in your heart. So we're going to talk about how to secure the word of God tonight. And it will bring some clarity. If we don't get through it tonight, we'll, we'll, we'll come back next week and do more of it. These principles are so important. I see so many people, believers in our circle that really don't know how to believe God and see it come to pass in their life. Well, those days are over. It's going to be really hard to be in this church and not lay hold of the blessing of God. You're going to have to literally just not ever study on your own, never go back and listen to these messages because this is going to be a culture where it's a big part of us. Because we're going to dispel all the lies. We're going to know exactly what to do. This is so important as we grow up. So Mark eleven twenty two. Now you know the story, the background story. Jesus curses a fig tree, right? 24 hours earlier. And because uh, it didn't have figs on it. Now, 24 hours later, they're walking by this fig tree. And it's dried up from the root. And Peter goes, hey, Lord, look at this tree. What happened? This tree that you cursed is dried up from the root. And now Jesus is answering all of them because they were all wondering about it. And he said, first of all, he said, and answering them, well, first of all, Jesus always answered, right? When, when people asked him the right question, he always answered. He always answered when the enemy ever came against him. He never just ignored it, he answered, right, directly. You'll always face Satan head on. Thank God. And when you, when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. So let's look at this. And Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. You could translate it, have the faith of God. We say this all the time, or have, have the God kind of faith. So now in verse 23, he is going to talk about the operating. He's going to talk about how to operate in faith by saying, okay? So he said this, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, there's the disclaimer, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have 
whatsoever he saith. So this is big. So we see here, faith works through saying. The disclaimer, though, is you can't doubt in your heart. So you have to believe what you're saying is, is the truth. You have to believe it, right? You have to believe what you say. Now, this is, in order to do that, you have to secure the promise of God. You have to do that. And it says here, uh, be removed, be cast in the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. Here's the never-ending law of God. You will have whatever you say. Now, verse 24, he goes into faith, right, through prayer. He just went through faith through saying. Now he's going to go talk about the same operation of faith through prayer. And he says this, Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. So we see that faith works through saying, faith works through praying. Right? So this is big. We actually call Mark eleven twenty four 24 the prayer of faith. It's one of the nine different prayers that are outlined in the New Testament. Uh, and we want to pray effectively according to those rules. The prayer of faith. So Jesus is giving us the most concise definition on how the principles of faith work in these two verses. So we see that faith has to do with what you believe in your heart and what you say out of your mouth. Okay? Doesn't that seem simple? The elements of faith are always the same. There could be different measures of faith, but the elements are always the same. Right? You, you have to... The only way faith comes is by hearing the word. Right? So you have to believe the word in your heart. You got to hear it, you got to believe it, then you got to speak it. Okay? Those elements are the same, same thing, anything to do with faith, it works by the same principles. Faith works for the things that you desire for you. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. You can't pray the prayer of faith for somebody else, okay? You have control spiritually over your life, not the life of others, right? The reason why the principles of faith work is because of who God is. Now that sounds so simple, doesn't it? But so many times we think the principles of faith work because we are working them. Forget you. Take you out of this equation, right? Because when you get your eyes on you, you will start getting off because you're not designed to have your eyes on yourself. Amen. Right? Don't worry. If you're missing something, you ask the Holy Spirit, hey, am I missing anything here? He'll tell you if you are, right? So this is huge. You believe God. This is talking about believing God for things in your own life. So let's talk about another 
Let's look at another example in the Gospels on the prayer of faith. This is another big one. And so go over to John chapter 15, verse 7. It, it, it looks a lot like the prayer of faith because it is. And it reveals a real big principle here. John 15, 7. Hallelujah. In John 15, 7, it says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done for you, or done unto you. First of all, it says, if you abide in me. This phrase right here tells me that the prayer of faith is based on my relationship with God. If you abide in me. Isn't that good news? Everything in God is based on our relationship with him. You're going to have a lot of trouble and you're never going to attain the walk and the life of faith if you're not walking in relationship with him. Many believers are too busy, right? You start living out of your flesh, you start considering yourself, and, and you know, all of a sudden, you don't, have, you don't have the ability to obey God, you're not interested in walking in relationship with him, you just want him to bless you and hurry up about it because I got 10 things to do today, right? So, but remember, if you abide in me, it's all about relationship. And it says here, and my words abide in you. The prayer of faith is also based on your relationship with God's word. So in, in, in reality, we're saying the same thing because you can't separate God from his word. But see, a relationship with his word, what that means is now I meditate in his word day and night. It's first place in my life, so now I have ears to hear all the time. Does that make sense? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask. See, here's the cool thing. If you are walking in relationship with him, and that's, it's a growing, fresh relationship, and you're, you're walking in a relationship with his word, you will ask. Now remember, the word ask here means you will call for. You will require, and you will make a demand for those things that God says he's given you. But if you don't abide in him and his word is not abiding in you, what will happen is you will not be calling for, making a demand for, requiring. You're going to be trying to figure it out because, you know, this faith thing, I just really, I don't, it just, when you get out of abiding in him, you can't make the dots connect. You're trying to play church and you know how to quote all the scriptures. I mean, that was me. I was even teaching this stuff. And didn't know how to make the dots connect. Because in reality, I thought I was worthless. How could God really love me? Now, I knew he loved everybody else. But boy, I'll tell you, if you'll get your eyes off everything that you need, everything, and put your eyes on him, all this stuff will start working. You'll start abiding in him. You'll have a relationship with him, a relationship with his word. And all of a sudden, desires will start coming up. And you'll look at your situation and stop looking at it through what the world says. Well, this is just the way it has to be. No, it's not. 
Listen, I don't have a college education. There is no way I can do what God's called me to do. That's baloney. I have a criminal record. There is no way. Nope, that doesn't apply to you as a Christian. Right? Well, you don't understand. I'm working for this company, and there is just, I'm at the top here, and, and, and I can't go any further because you got to have this and this and this. No. See, when you abide in him and his words abide in you, all that goes away, and what's left is this desire as you're delighting in the Lord. He'll give you a desire of your heart, which is an expression of his will. And then scriptures will come up that show you, that tell you it's God's will. And you don't care what you see. You don't care what the past is. You know the God of heaven shall bring it to pass. If his word, if I abide in him and his word abides in me, I shall ask, I shall go to my father and say, Father, I'm calling for, I'm requiring, I'm making a demand for my healing. I'm making a demand for finances. I need finances right now. I'm making a demand for peace and joy. I'm making a demand for strength right now, right? It's as a byproduct of your relationship. All this stuff, people coming to God, a lot of people in our circles, they come, to, they come to God as a big slot machine or as just a sugar daddy, man. I just need you to give me, give me, give me, give me. I don't really want to know you. It doesn't work like that. The thing is, you're not even wired like that. Your spirit is all out in its desire to be united, to be one with God. And as you start to feed on that, by building your relationship with him, by, by building his word into your life, all of a sudden you'll start asking for crazy things. Things beyond what people, and, and people sometimes will sit there and go, man, you're one of those. Just say, yes, I am. Hide and watch. Because they'll be running when it comes to pass and they see it in this life. Because God brings it to pass here. You'll ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. That is the strongest wording in the Greek language. Jesus watches over his word to perform it. So, how do I get to point A in the fight or in my fight of faith? How do I get there? Because we know the, the fight of faith begins after the prayer of faith is prayed, right? But how do I get to point A? Because, see, you got to get, you have to prepare to stand in order to stand, right? If somebody comes up to you and asks you to pray for them, you should always ask them, what two or three scriptures are you basing your prayer on? And if they can't quote them, then don't pray for them. Because they won't receive anything. And then, then the enemy will really mess with them and say, see, that stuff just doesn't work. Help them find those scriptures. Send them on their way. Tell them, listen, you take these scriptures and you meditate on them and the next time I see you, let, we'll pray when you're ready. And if they'll meditate on them, man, they'll be running up to you going, hey, you know what? Praise God. You don't have to pray for me. I've already believed I've received. Right? So, and then the next thing, if they have the scriptures and you pray for them, always ask them, so is it done? And if you hear, I hope so, then it's not done. Because when you're in faith, it's done. 
What things soever you desire, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray, believe that you receive it and you'll have it, right? So let's go on with this. Believe you receive when you pray. So how do I get to point A? First of all, I find scriptures that tell me that God has given me what I'm desiring, right? I meditate on those scriptures until faith is birthed and I choose to believe them in my heart, right? So now I'm believing in my heart. Now I say with my mouth what God says and what, what, is, what happens next? I just believe that I receive when I pray, right? Father, I thank you. Father, I come to you today in relation to healing. Father, I thank you that your word says that Jesus was made a curse for me so that I would be, de- be redeemed from the curse of the law. Galatians chapter 3, right? 13 and 14. And I know, Father, according to Deuteronomy 28, the curse of the law includes all sickness and all disease, right? Father, I know it's written in your word in Matthew eight seventeen that Jesus himself bore this sickness that I'm facing. He carried the pain associated with it, so I know I don't have to. Father, I know, according to 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes, I was healed. And I know, Father, according to Psalm 107.20, you sent your word and healed them. Father, I know these things. It's written in Isaiah 53, verses 4 through verse 6, that he bore my sickness and carried my pain, and with his stripes, I am healed. So, Father, right now, I just believe on the basis of your word, I believe that I receive my healing right now. And, Father, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Right? That's, and, and you find out whatever area it is, that's how you pray. And when you say amen, guess what? Thoughts will start coming in your mind to try to start getting you to doubt that what, what God says, Right? So this is how we get there, though. We have to get there this way because you can't get away from faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God has to be speaking to you. Faith doesn't come because Brother Copeland spoke the Word and you watched it on TV. Faith doesn't come because you confessed it 22,000 times. Right? Faith doesn't come because Brother Hagen said. Faith comes as you hear the Word of God, which means I give it my full attention, I put it number one in my life, and I give it my undivided attention. And if it says it, I believe it, and I refuse to move from that position. So now you're at point A. To have faith, in other words, you're going to have to hear what God's word says on a particular subject, right? Faith, now get this, and you'll have to to really just meditate on this. Faith becomes a part of you when you hear God's word on a subject. Everybody's so quick to pray because they're in fear, they're stressed, 
Don't be quick to pray, right? Be quick to meditate on his word because faith becomes a part of you. The faith that I have in my father in these areas, it's a part of who I am. The Holy Spirit has etched God's word in my spirit. It's part of who I am. It's got, see, this is how you secure it. you got to secure it on the inside of you so that when thoughts come from the outside, you will respond by saying, you'll respond outwardly what you believe inwardly. This is so important. So let's keep going. God's word is always his will. So in Ephesians, remember, I'm just going to read through this real quick. Ephesians chapter 6. I want you to turn there and set your eyes on this. Ephesians 6 verse 10 talks about this, talks about this fight of faith, this battle. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. So you have to realize that in your faith battle, you don't, the word of God never tells you to be strong in yourself. It tells you to be strong in the Lord. Or literally in the Greek, it literally means be continually strengthened inwardly in the Lord. Okay? This is literally written in the Greek locative tense because supernatural divine strength is only found in the Lord. It's not found anywhere else. Everything is in the Lord. Everything that we have is locked up in the Lord. And in the power of His might, we are commanded to tap into God's ability. Well, what is the power of His ability? The grace of God, right? Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. This Greek word literally means to survey the battlefield. Put on the whole armor of God, which is the word of God, that you may be able to survey the battlefield, that you may be able to stand and you'll be able to see the enemy coming. You know exactly where he's coming. If the word of God is on you, because when he throws a thought, you will instantly know that is not of, that's not of my father. Right? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to, to stand against the wiles. We know that means to go down one road one way of the devil. We went really into this. I'll let you go back and listen to those other four, first four messages because we go really into Ephesians here. We have to put on the whole armor of God that we can stand against the wiles of the devil. Why? Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Verse 12. People are never our problem. So you could love your enemies. As a matter of fact, God told you to. You could love those that despitefully use you. Does it because they're they're a non-issue in your life? Well, Pastor, you don't understand. This person is really coming against me. Can't hurt you unless you let him or her, right? You just love them. They're not your enemy, they're not your rival, they're not your competition. You have none. Because it's God who makes you the head and not the tail. And don't worry, you know, this is what, he can make you the head and still bless your competitors. God never has to take away from one to give to another. So we wrestle not. You're never wrestling against a person. Husbands and wives know that. 
You are never wrestling against your spouse. If your husband is doing something that doesn't line up with the word of God, love him, honor him, and take authority over what's behind it. Same thing with you husbands with your wives, right? I mean, our people are never our problem. But we do wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. It's, it's a satanic hierarchy. It's a military hierarchy who've all been defeated. Remember, the only thing Satan has is to throw thoughts. If you don't take them, he is a non-issue in your life. Verse 13, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. See, do you see this? Having done all to stand, stand therefore. You must prepare to stand. You could say this, the walk of faith is all about standing. And this is what we're talking about, how to stand. Have you ever been believing God for something and all of a sudden, man, your mind is giving you problems, right? Well, you, you, we're going to talk about how to combat that. I'm telling you, the word of God in your heart, the spirit of God that's within you is so much greater than any thought the enemy could bring, any circumstance, any diagnosis, anything. Because the word is true. We are to stand. What this means is we are to take some determined steps to ensure that the faith that we exercised when we prayed is followed through till the end. We have to take some predetermined steps. This is, see, Paul said, I don't beat, I just don't beat blindly in the air, right? He took spiritual growth very, very seriously. He was very calculated. You know, if you want to lose weight, you could, you could just do the numbers, Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch what I eat. I'm going to count these calories. And every 3,500 calories that I burn beyond what I eat, I lose a pound of fat. I mean, you could just get real calculated. Well, you do that spiritually. Get very calculated. Listen, I'm going to meditate in the Word of God day and night. I'm going to build my relationship with the Lord. I'm going to ensure that, that my whole life, my purpose in life, is not to attain things or, or, or let people care what, who I am or power or anything like that. No, I want to know Him. And I'm going to seek first His kingdom. And I'm going to walk out His plan for my life. And now I'm abiding in Him and His words abiding in me. So now I'm believing the right thing. Why? Because I'm only hearing the right thing so I'm thinking I, I'm only thinking the right thing when the enemy throws a thought that's not right I take it captive with the word of God so I only allow thoughts in my mind that are in line with God's word so now the renovation process of my mind is going on all the time I'm learning how to think like he thinks right so now I'm seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness and now what's happening he adds to my life this is how it works. Winning your faith battle is all about standing. Here's the only variable. How long you're going to have to stand. This is the variable. Notice in Mark eleven twenty three, 23, Mark eleven twenty four, 24, John 15, 7, it never puts a time limit on anything. And realize this, time tests faith. But time 
never changes the Word of God. Does that make sense? Never changes the Word of God. The faith battle is from the time you end your prayer of faith until you see the answer manifested in this realm right here in your life. In Hebrews 6.12, you don't have to turn there, I'll just read it. In Hebrews 6.12, it says this, that you be not slothful. In other words, don't be lazy, but be followers of them who through faith and patience, this word patience is the word that means endurance, through faith and endurance or patience, inherit the promise. The King James is a little vague, inherits the promise. It literally reads in the literal Greek, through faith and patience, obtain by inheritance the promise. See, we have already obtained. See, this, I, I don't like the way King James translates that. Through faith and patience, I inherit the promise. Yeah, I could see how they say that. But listen, I've already inherited the promise. But I need to obtain my inheritance, right? So how I do that is through faith. This almost, on the surface now, it, it, it's fine written that way, but I'm just, so many people get the tense wrong. God is going to heal me. God is going to bless me. That's backwards. It doesn't work. There's nothing in the Bible that says God is going to bless you, going to heal you, going to, you know, right? right? It, it's always, he's already done it. So now it's a matter of you receiving it through faith. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, fight the good fight of faith, so that you could lay hold on eternal life. So, step number one was knowing your enemy. Step number two is securing, securing God's promise within yourself. We want to secure the word of God, the promise that tells us that God's already given us what we're desiring to secure it. How do I secure it on the inside? Because I have to in order to win this faith battle. See, the faith battle is not whether or not God will give it to you. It's whether or not you, when you've received it, will hold on to it until your faith brings it into this realm without letting go. Does that make sense? This is big. Before you ever prayed the prayer of faith in Mark eleven twenty four, you had to have God's word as your foundation. And this is what happens. People think they're in faith, but they have no foundation underneath them. The foundation is you're standing on the word of God. It's alive in your heart. Listen, you're not trying, you're not, you're not the sick trying to get healed anymore. You're the healed, and sickness has to leave your body. You're not the poor or the one in lack that's trying to get provision. No, you're the prosperous, and now Poverty has to leave. Lack has to leave. Money has to come. Does that make sense? Does, the depression can't stay any longer, right? It has to go. Joy and peace is all that I live in now because that's what God says. The prayer of faith has a sure foundation. See, it's a knowledge of God said this, right? Therefore, I expect this. Does that make sense? So important.
But this is what Satan does. Satan will come questioning you and challenging you to look at your circumstances, at your symptoms, at what other people are doing for you. See, when you're not in faith, you speak about your mountain. But when you're in faith, you speak to your mountain, right? When you're in faith, you are operating out of your spirit. When you're not in faith, you're operating out of your flesh. This is why the Bible says, whatever is not of faith is sin. Why is that? Because it misses the mark. God wants you in faith all the time. Does that make sense? And Satan will tell you, oh, you have to know so much. No, you don't. Look at the Bible. People who were not even born again, that only knew a couple things, they secured God's promise and, and laid hold of some miraculous things. You must see when Satan comes and he's challenging you and he's questioning you with circumstances, you must answer him immediately and accurately with the word of God. That's our example. That's the example Jesus gave. The battleground of faith is in the mind, it's not in your heart. Does that make sense? Your thought life, remember this, your thought life is the door to your heart. This is why Satan tries to gain access through your thought life. To guard your heart, you're going to have to watch over your thoughts. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Proverbs 4, verse 23, keep, that means guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life, or in the Hebrew language it means are the boundaries of your life. The devil will come and he will tempt you with thoughts of failure and defeat. He, not, he might, I'm not saying might come, he will come, Right? With thoughts of failure and defeat, he plants thoughts to gain access to your heart. Access to what you believe through your thought life. He wants to gain access to that, and he wants to, he wants to start inputting wrong thoughts so that he can create a vain imagination in your mind so that you'll let go of what you're believing God for. To protect your heart, you must protect your thoughts, or you must protect the thoughts that you allow in your mind. This is why in Proverbs 1, you better not be walking, standing, and sitting in the wrong places. You need to surround yourself with people of like faith. You have to do that. This is why you hear me talk all the time. You've got to be planted in the church that God plants you in. You need to live where God has for you to live. Forget about what you want. His way is better. Trust me on that. It's always better. And if you'll just be willing and obedient, he'll get you there. He will definitely get you there. So this is so very, very important. This is why, because you want to protect yourself because you got to protect your thought life. Faith's battleground is in the mind. When your thoughts accept God's word to be true, then God has access to your spirit. 
He's able to just pour anything he wants in there because the Holy Spirit's down there. He's able to bring revelation after revelation after revelation. But if your thought life is not from him, he has no access. What I mean by that, he's living there, but there's no revelation happening. He'd have to violate your will to bring revelation to you, and he can't do that. He can't violate his own word. Your mind is the entrance to your heart. So to stay in faith, you're going to have to guard your heart by protecting your thoughts. This is what happens. Just think about, think about what you're believing God for right now. Today, you had thought after thought after thought come at you to try to get you to question and get confused about the whole thing. It's real simple. If God said it, nothing can stop it from coming to pass except you in your own life. Satan surely can't. Isn't that good news? So to believe you receive, what that means is to act precisely in line with what God's word says. I don't move from it. If God says I'm healed, then I'm healed. I don't care if I'm getting worse and the doctor says I gotta die, I am going to keep speaking that I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. And guess what? He can't kill me. That sickness can't take me out unless I let go of that. Poverty cannot stay in my life unless I allow it. Depression cannot stay in my life unless I allow it. And I'm never moving from that. So if God says I have the mind of Christ, I'm just going to keep thanking him for that. If God says that he didn't give me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, then I'll never say I'm afraid. Right? But I can't fake it. I've got to get the word in my heart. Securing God's word it means that you take the word that is the foundation of your prayer of faith and you use these words when the enemy attacks. Does that make sense? So what we're talking about, securing God's word, what does it mean? It means that you take the word of God and it becomes the foundation of the prayer of faith. And now when the enemy comes, this is what I say to him. Right? How much? Every time he comes. It is written, it is written, it is written, and guess what? The more I meditate on it, the more revelation I have, and I'm telling you, he just gets tired of that because he can't win. Because now he's not even dealing with me. You realize that? When you're in faith, he's dealing with God. Because you're speaking the word, so God's power is right on the scene all the time. That's how come he's out of here. Just like Jesus when in the wilderness, it said the devil left him for a season. He's an idiot, so he'll keep coming back. Right? Well, he's not really an idiot. The reason why he keeps coming back is because he knows the majority of mankind, even if they stand once, they might not stand again. Do you know how many Christians are in heaven because they were diagnosed with a deadly disease and God healed them, right? They received their healing and the counterattack came two years later, five years later, and the counterattack killed them. Because they let it. And people will get mad at that statement and say, Pastor, you're giving people false hope. Wait a minute. 
don't shoot the messenger. I didn't say these things. God did. Right? And you could go argue with him. Good luck with that. Right? So now let's look at, we're, we're not going to get as far as I'd like, but go to Matthew chapter 4 again. Matthew chapter 4, I want to look at the temptation of Jesus. We opened it up a little bit. I want to go deeper tonight because I want you to see how simple this is. We're talking about securing the promise of God within yourself so that when the enemy comes, you have the answer. Just like Jesus did in the wilderness, you're like, it is written, it is written, it is written. Remember, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. So you only need two or three verses. Most of this stuff, you have a ton of them. And this is why you go to a church, you could find somebody around here that could tell you, hey, this is, the, this is my area, this is what I am believing God for. Can you help me find scriptures in this area? How many would be willing to help a brother or sister do that, right? Absolutely. Amen. So Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, this is when Jesus was tempted of the devil. So he was baptized in the Jordan River, and now the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted of the, of the enemy. It says here, verse 1, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. We said this last week, but I want to go a little further in this. You go through the wilderness to learn that God's word is your source. This prepares you to overcome every obstacle that you'll ever face in Christ. You'll face them all in him when you know this. This prepares you for God's abundance. Jesus was led into the wilderness so that he would come to know by experience how to engage and defeat the enemy in every way. Don't shun this whole wilderness thing. His father sent him there so that he would experientially know how to engage Satan and defeat him in everything. This was like the end of his training before he went in the full-time ministry. He prepared 30 years for three years of ministry. You want to finish God's plan for your life? Get your eyes off everybody else because you're going to have to spend 10 times the amount of time looking at yourself on what you need to be doing. 10 to 1, right? Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, how? Like as we are, yet without sin. It's not a sin to be tempted. I mean, you think about it. Here's Jesus, has the fullness of the Spirit, and yet Satan is still able to throw thoughts in his mind. Make these stones be bread. Cast yourself off the temple. Bow down and worship me and I'll give you everything that you came here for. He was able to throw those thoughts in Jesus' mind. But Jesus knew how to engage him and overcome him. And you got to know how to do that in your life. So, so very important. Jesus was led into the wilderness to learn by experience who he was and that God's help was available to him when he faced the enemy. He never faced the enemy alone. 
He wasn't strong in himself. He was strong in the Lord. He only said what the Father said. He only did what the, he saw the Father do. It's the way we're to live. He was our example. So Jesus in the wilderness was spending time with his father. He was finding out more about God's plan for his life. He was getting direction for his life and ministry. And then here, verse 2. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungry. And when the tempter came, he came to him in his thought life. He said, if you be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. So Satan came, as we said last week, challenging and questioning the identity of Jesus. He will come to you and say, who in the world do you think you are? Right? Satan was attempting, this is it, he was attempting to get Jesus to consider himself and speak based on what the devil wanted him to speak instead of what his father wanted to speak. So let me take you one step further. Satan was attempting to get Jesus to be body conscious instead of spirit conscious. And that's what he's going to do to you and I. He's going to try to get you body conscious. Isn't your body hurting? Doesn't it look like it's getting worse? How do you feel? All this stuff, this is, what he's, this is the temptation. But Jesus answered, remember, you see this, he always immediately answered Satan accurately with the word of God. He said, and it is written, he's going to quote Deuteronomy 8.3, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus had secured Deuteronomy 8.3 before he ever went into the wilderness. Jesus had secured God prom God's promise, but how did he do that? By speaking God's word. That's the principle. God told Joshua, don't ever let the word of God depart out of your mouth. Do you, could you imagine Jesus growing up? What did he talk about? The word. I mean, he's 12 years old. His parents are like, we're in the, you could, could you just imagine? You know what happened. Okay, Joseph, you watch Jesus. I got some stuff I got to get done, right? You know, because the guy's just clueless. And, and of course, you know, the guy's, he's over there doing, he's looking at, you know, guns and hair, whatever. And, and all of a sudden, they're, they're going home. And Mary's like, hey, where, where's Jesus? Joseph's like, well, I thought you, you know, you know how it is, right? So where was Jesus? Well, I'm just about my father's business. He was in the temple talking about the word. Right? Why? Because he never let the word depart out of his mouth. And because of that, when he's 30 years old, and now, could you imagine, now the fullness of the Spirit comes upon him. Wow! The Bible says he was filled with the Spirit, and when he came down and went into Galilee. And that, that word is a progressive. The further he walked, the stronger he got. He was, what, what was Jesus doing? He is laying a foundation for his actions instead of what the devil is telling him to do. See, Jesus, when Satan came to try to get him to live out of his flesh, he had already had a foundation in the word which was saying no. So when Satan came telling him what to do, he said, no, this is what's written. Do you see that? This is exactly, exactly how we stand. What matters 
is where Jesus puts his focus. What matters is where you put your focus. On your symptoms, on your circumstances, on what's happening to you. No, no, no. You need to focus on what's happening in you. Right? If Jesus considers his body more important than the work of God, more important than God's plan that is in front of him, what happens? If he did that, he would take a step back spiritually in the same way we would. So when the devil brings thoughts that are to produce doubt in you, you must have secured God's promise so you can answer those thoughts immediately and accurately with the word of God. And you're going to have to do it over and over and over. We must prepare to stand. Verse 5. Then the devil takes, taketh him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If you be the Son of God, cast yourself down. Now Satan's going to quote scripture. For it is written... He shall give his angels charge concerning you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Is that true? Absolutely. As we said last week, Satan doesn't have the power to take Jesus out of the wilderness. It was in his thought life. Satan was trying to get Jesus to consider himself. He was trying to get him into pride so that he can change his focus and steal from him. In other words, Satan is trying to get Jesus, once again, to be conscious of himself so that he could ignite his ego, which would lead him in the pride so that Satan could destroy him. That's exactly what he does with you and I. It all starts... He tries to get you conscious of yourself. Right? He wants you talking about yourself. He wants you. Here's, here's where it all starts. Do you know if you're talking about yourself, gosh, my life, what I need, what I've got to do, what that means is you're thinking about yourself. It's going to take you down a way wrong road. But when you're thinking about him, you'll talk about him. This is huge. There's so many Christians that love the Lord that are going nowhere because they're only thinking about themselves. Isn't that crazy? I'm so excited for Friday night at this Helps Banquet. I think we have like 110 people or more signed up now to come out of like 130 that are active in helps ministry, you know, to honor them. These are people that are saying, hey, you know, they're just, they're busy, but they volunteer. They, they, they do what's necessary because they're seeking first the kingdom. So cool. Positions them. Gets me excited because it positions people to where they're not thinking about themselves, right? See, the only thing Satan has to throw at you is thoughts, being tempted, having a wrong thought planted in your mind, that's not sin. Walking by sight, that's sin. So we gotta, we got to take those thoughts captive. Notice that Jesus was tempted in his mind, but responded outwardly by speaking the word of God. This is a big one. 
big one. The inward temptation is very real. We got to guard our thoughts. Did you notice that Jesus never spoke about himself? He spoke the word. He always quoted the word. Verse 7, Jesus said unto him, It is written again, he's quoting Deuteronomy 6.16, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Notice that Jesus never talked about himself. He just spoke the word. He was not about himself. Satan couldn't get him to consider himself. Verse 8, Again the devil takes him up into an exceeding high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and says unto him, all these things will I give you if you'll fall down and worship me. See, Satan's trying to get Jesus to consider himself so that he will get things Satan's way and not God's way. You're going to be tempted the same way. Are you going to do it your way or are you going to do it God's way? Right? You'll be tempted with that. Are you going to speak what God's word says or are you going to be all about your own ego? Because if you're about your own ego, you'll get into pride. What's really bad about pride, the first thing it does is it blinds you. You now have a blind spot. There's so many people walking around. They're walking through their life thinking they're, they're just the most spiritual people in the world. They're wrecking balls in the body of Christ. They're missing God's plan for their life. And they're going to stand before him one day and they're going to go, wow, I just missed it, Jesus. Right? And Jesus isn't going to sit down with them and go, okay, come on. You can go, you're, come, you're going to be with me forever, but listen, we got to talk because you really messed up the last 70 years of your life. No, he doesn't do that. He's going to say, enter into your rest, right? You might have to go through faith 101 or walking in love 101, but it'll be easy because you'll be out of your body, right? It'll be good. No, I'm just teasing you guys. You'll always be tempted to do things your way and not God's way. Verse 10, then said Jesus unto him, get thee thence, Satan, means basically he said, Satan, go away. For it is written, you'll worship the Lord your God and him only will you serve. Satan always used the word of God. So let me finish with this. Securing God's word is when you remember the word of God, you recite the word of God you claim the promise that God's word tells you is really yours. That you have to secure that within yourself. You must secure these promises that you used when you prayed and believed that you received. We'll go into this. I want to talk about, I just want to show you a couple examples in scripture probably next week before we go on. But realize you have to have you have to have the word to answer when he comes or you will let go of what you're believing for. And if you've let go, it's okay. Then pick it up tonight. You don't have to go back to square one. Just pick it up. You're already the healed. These promises of God, he doesn't take them away ever. They're yours. Amen? The Bible doesn't say if you walk through the water, if you walk through the fire. It says when. But God wants you to walk through and not get wet and not get any, any smoke or fire on you because you're in him. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that's an Old Testament furnace. See, now, this is what it looks like New Testament. In the Old Testament, 
The three Hebrew children went in. Three servants of God, not children, servants, went in and secured an Old Testament promise. And when Nebuchadnezzar looked in the furnace, there was four. And one of them was like the Son of God. You know what it looks like when you go in the furnace? When TJ goes in the furnace, because he's like, hey, whatever, I'm not bowing, my God will deliver me. When TJ goes in the furnace, the enemy looks in there, he doesn't see two. He doesn't see TJ and Jesus. He sees Jesus because TJ's in Jesus. Do you, do you see that? That's why when TJ comes out, there's no smoke on him. When he goes through, it doesn't matter what he faces. He's facing it in Christ. Bring it. Right? I mean, I don't care what UFC fighter in the world. Bring it spiritually because I'm in Christ. So you're... You, you can't fight me unless I'm stupid and decide to fight you. I'm just going to stay in Christ by speaking his word, and you can't touch me. Cancer can't kill me, right? Disease can't stay in my body. Lack and poverty can't stay in my life. Depression, anxiety, fear, terror cannot stay in my mind and in my life. Can't do it because I'm in Christ. Do you see that? That's who you are. Praise God. Well, let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus.